All right, good morning. As I walk around my house, lighting up my room here. Um, yeah, you know, we kind of had a little bit of a change of plans today in terms of our topics. We are going to start our um, new sermon series this semester, but we'll hold off on that for a couple of weeks. Every start of the semester, we do really kind of two talks on mission and vision. And just to try to remind you um, of who we are as a family of churches, who we are specifically in Denton. So we'll do that uh, the next two weeks, but today we're going to do a lament um, worship service on uh, the Capitol siege riots. And so we'll lead you and guide you through that. I do have one more announcement though. And that is that some of you know this, some of you don't, I'm not so great sometimes at remembering to communicate these things. Um, but Josh Robinson has come on staff with us now um, and is, uh, you know, basically full time, part time, which is what all of us do by vocational ministers. And so that's really, really exciting. We've been trying to convince Josh to come on staff for a long time. For those of you who don't know Josh, Josh leads a lot of our operations stuff um, in addition to uh, mentoring people and things like that. So Josh, maybe you can wave your hands. People who don't know you know you. Uh, he talks a lot through these, keeps us going on the technology. We wouldn't have been able to do Zoom without him this year. Maybe we could have with Ryan, but Ryan's just so hard to work with. He's just so opinionated. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's really exciting. Um, with that, though, we will have some additional budget needs this semester. Um, and so we'll be kind of laying that out for you the next two weeks uh, in terms of um, sort of what, what we need. We, you know, it's been a great um, year for us, even despite COVID. You guys have been very consistent in giving and thoughtful and our goal for next year is to replace my salary um, with cohort salary. So I would just be paid by uh, um, the cohorts, which uh, if you don't know what that is, that's our pastoral training uh, program. And that will allow us to free up money for uh, staff like Josh and, and possibly other staff. So, yeah, it's just this semester that we will need a little bit of a bump in our, our giving. And we'll lay that all out in terms of numbers for you uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, but it has been really cool, whether you know it or not, you guys as a church have supported the cohort program, which is in its second year. Um, I, I do that, and it's a huge chunk of my time. Uh, it didn't work, it's basically provided for that. And so that's just a really cool thing. Uh, and if you're interested in you know, possibly being involved in that, we'll have an info session coming up here in about a month or two months. And you can always talk to Ryan, Mia, Manny, or Hannah. And they can also inform you of that. All right. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. All right. Today, um, we are going to be first in Psalm 60. We're going to read this kind of popcorn style. Um, lament has become a more popular word, uh, almost like liturgy uh, in our current Protestant vernacular. Uh, but sometimes we have less than a biblical understanding of what lament really is we think about it just as sort of like airing our grievances or being honest with our feelings our passionate in our prayers and all of these things fit in certainly but lament was really a specific sort of genre of writing uh, and worship in old testament life um and it you know, kind of goes back to the uh, solemnity of the sacrifices and the idea of, you know, kind of going to God with our sinfulness and things that are going on in the world. So I want to read two Psalms 60 and Psalm 90. I'm 
And uh, I think we're going to read Psalm 60 in the message. Um, I think that uh, I think I'm going to do that. And then Psalm 90, we'll just read NIV. So let you get there. And then I want to um, kind of break this down a little bit in terms of what are some of the major components of a lament. And then we'll apply that to what's been going on in the last uh, week, week and a half with the Capitol riots and, and that kind of thing. And so this will be a little bit more structured than just open air sort of sharing. Uh, and But hopefully in the way of being able to teach you kind of a little bit about lament and the importance of that in Old Testament biblical um, you know, narrative. All right. So Psalm 60, let's do it. Uh, so if you're in the message, let's popcorn read this just like we'll do it in Psalm 90. God, you walked off and left us, kicked our defenses to bits and socked off angry. Come back. Oh, please come back. You shook the earth to the foundations, ripped open huge crevices, heal the breaks. Everything's coming apart at the seams. You made your people look doom in the face, then gave us cheap wine to drown our troubles. Then you planted a flag to rally your people, an unfurled flag to look for courage. Now do something quickly, answer right now, so the one you love uh, best is saved. That's when God spoke in holy splendor. Bursting with joy, I make a present of Shechem. I hand out Succoth Valley as a gift. Gilead's in my pocket to say nothing of Manasseh. Ephraim's my hard hat, Judah my hammer. Moab's a scrub bucket, I mop the floor with Moab. Spit on Edom, rain fireworks all over Philistia. Who will take me to the thick of the fight? Who will show me the road to Edom? You aren't giving up on us, are you, God? Refusing to go out with our troops? Give us help for the hard task. Human help is worthless. And God will do our very best. He'll plot in the opposition for good. Psalm 90. That's where we're going to go now. And I want you to, to try this time, although it is a little bit difficult, um, to kind of apply sort of four things that happens in these laments. And, and they don't necessarily happen um, equally, but they do happen in order. All right. And so not, it's not necessarily like in this Psalm 60, almost the first three are done within the first sentence. But I think in Psalm 90, there's a better sense. And if you read uh, that little commentary uh, is really more just a thoughtful devotional about Psalm 90. Uh, you could you could kind of follow this. But there's sort of four things that happen and four things that we're going to set up our limit today based on. Number one is we see who God is. Okay? We see God and, and who he is. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it than just seeing God who he is or seeing God. Uh, we, those separate things happen. We see him and then we somehow understand who he is. All right? And then these limits someone kind of comes across God or compares themselves to God or whatever. And then the natural reaction to that is that we see ourselves and despair, right? So we see God. And of course the seeing God part can be, we're um, angry with him. We're terrified of him. Probably fear is the more common one in the laments. So we see God and who he is. And then we see ourselves in despair. In despair, we ask God to help. And this is an important ordering because if we're not despairing or we're not seeing God, we're simply asking for help apart from any sort of serious understanding of who he is and what he can do. And so if you take any one of these out of order, um, you know, you have some real problems. We're not going to talk too much about that because this isn't a sermon. It's just a, an opportunity to, to think through the structure of lament. So we see God and who he is. All right. We then see ourselves in despair. Okay. 
And in despair, we ask God to help. And I think the part of laments that is so different in biblical thinking is this last part. And that's finally, we see God's work, what he has done and will do. And we sort of name that. All right. So we see God and who he is causes us to see ourselves and despair as a result. In despair, we ask God to help. And finally, this all sort of leads up to seeing God's work, what he has done and what he will do. All right, so let's read uh, Psalm 90 together. We'll read this in NIV. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all all generations. Before the mountains were born, born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting you are God you turn people back to death saying return to death you mortals a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night yet you sweep the people away in the sleep of death they are like new grass in the morning in the morning it springs up new but by evening it is dry and withered you're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children, to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Hopefully in that, you can see a little bit of the structure uh, of what's going on. Um, That, you know, see is the God that's everlasting from beginning to the end. See just how much we're uh, new grass uh, here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, In despair, asking God to actually make some kind of meaning out of our life. And then at the end, kind of coming with this idea that God will actually establish the work of our hands if we join in the work that he's doing. Um, So you kind of get that in all those different pieces. So I really don't want to give a lot of instruction, although I will if you need some help. Um, For those of you who didn't, weren't at our last uh, lament service, it was a lot more open and a little bit less structured, uh, partially because there was just a lot to talk about and a lot to... um, you know, kind of share in terms of our own experiences. And I think this one, um, you know, certainly we have experiences relating to this uh, event, but it's, it's, I think maybe less important that we just open up and share about those things. Although if we want to have some questions and answers at the end, that's fine. I really kind of want to follow this lament guideline uh, of the, this kind of structure. Okay. And so um, the first aspect of this is, you know, seeing, who God is or seeing him and then, um, you know, understanding who he is amidst all this. So we have this you know, event that took place, um, you know, where a whole lot of people um, basically just violated 
uh, our Capitol building. Uh, and there's just so much that goes in to this uh, in terms of people making all of these comparisons and just the hypocrisy of the police presence and um, you know, people, just the irony of the entire situation, not to mention just the actual violence that went on. And so there's a lot to talk about in the actual event itself. Um, and we can go there with some of this, but the point more for this session is for us to um, kind of lament this event and lament this very scary time uh, and confusing time in our country uh, with this, this sort of structure of going to God. So, so for instance, in this first section where we're kind of talking about who God is, I think it'd be very helpful, whether it's prayer, whether it's commenting on just how this event in no way reflects who he is, right? And you know, the unfortunate part of this is a lot of people um, who were there that day, whether peaceful, which is in some ways hard to uh, even define considering the event itself uh, was sort of set up as a, um, at least a, a rowdy event. And people kind of knew that ahead of time, or at least many did. Um, but being able to try to justify this based on God wanted us here or God wanted us to do things uh, is it's just sickening, right? It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to make sense of. Um, so that's why I think it's important to start with this, this first step of, uh, and this could be really anything. It's something you comment, a question, a focus though, is on us recognizing who our God is. I know this is sort of open guys and strange for us because we don't do a lot of this, but it's got to lean into it and, uh, and try our best to follow this lament. I think it's an important day to do that. And while I had my sermon already prepped and planned and would have been much easier for me to just go ahead with it, um, couple different people um, talked to me about doing this. And so I did it. You guys understand the first prompt? Uh, I have one question about it. Okay. When you were explaining it, you said that often seeing God entails like fear, or anger, or being terrified, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you explain? Like, that doesn't seem to be natural to who he is it's because of something in us or something in our situation. Could you clarify how that ties in? Um. I think just that's the reaction of a lot of these laments is that people have, um, they're terrified, even in just Psalm 90 of God's wrath. It's constant um, that God is indignant of the things that are going on, and they're kind of terrified of that indignation. Often they will even um, portray them as being the recipient of that indignation when it's fairly clear as the Psalm goes on that they're not the recipient of it. They're just receiving it along with all the people who truly deserve it. <laughs> because at some point in these Psalms, there's a sense that um, they're trying to, to actually do something about it. And there's a, a separation of people who aren't. Does that make sense? So even just talking about, um, I don't know, just our fears, but putting that in the context of what God's doing. I really don't want to try to give too much direction. This will at least allow the spirit to kind of guide and lead. And if people just really are having a tough time even responding, then I can give some more clarification, but I, I don't want to talk too much or, or over lead. Okay. Um, it might be helpful. If I'm, in, I'm picking up that we're not doing this in breakout groups. We're doing it all here together right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. We could do it in breakout groups if you felt like it was uh, more important, but I, the last limit was really pretty healthy for us all to be together. That sounds great. I just wanted to make sure that that was clear because I wasn't sure. One thing I have thought consistently about ever since this all happened is it 
it seems so weird to me that there are people carrying symbols of Jesus, like crosses and things like that, alongside symbols of um, just like inequality and racism and hatred, like the Confederate flag and Nazi flags and symbols like that. And I just think that that is not reflective of God's character. I think he holds humans in equal esteem, right? It's not like one group is better than another group just because of the way they look or where they are born or whatever. And so I think that that has been really hard for me consistently is just like, what are these people thinking that Jesus would be proud of them believing that they're better because they're white? Like Jesus wasn't even white. I don't know. And so I think that that is just, just consistently really hard to have them holding these symbols of Jesus alongside these symbols of hatred. And that is not reflective of who God is and is in such stark contrast that that I think, I think, I guess, I don't know if that completely answers the first prompt of seeing God and who he is, but I feel like that is indirect contrast to who he is. And, and it's just heartbreaking that people are, I don't, I don't know how we're reading the same message and they're coming away with, this is what God wants from me versus me coming away with, I think this is heartbreaking to God. Something that I thought about um, just with everything is seeing how like good God really is, you know, again, like in comparison to what we have and like for the longest time, I don't know if anybody else has like felt this, but it also just helped like growing up, you know, you always believe like, oh, America is so great. And, um, and just really seeing the ugliness of our country and just of humanity and compared to the beauty of God, you know, um, and like seeing our country, which is called like the, like land of the free and the, um, um, Statue of Liberty, like her little tablet, um, says that like our shores are open to all. Um, and it's a message of equality. And then just seeing just how like gross our country is at the moment makes me see how beautiful God is and what his message of like freedom and equality looks like and brings hope to like what the kingdom of God will be because he'll restore all these ideals that we've had and just fell in so short from and so yeah I feel like one thing that I've just been thinking about through this situation is I see I see so much like hatred all around um from all angles people just seem to have just be getting more and more divided houses and households get divided people and people that were uh, once considered friends with one another, all of a sudden have more rivalry now with all more political stuff coming up. And then those conversations come up and then they end up having more division, which is I think exactly opposite of what God would want us to have. Um, and it's just really sad, you know, I feel like throughout this time, like I've had more divisions with friends at times, I've had more divisions with family. And I don't really feel like that's the correct route that God wants us to go. I think division comes from Satan. And I think um, whenever we have thoughts towards division, no matter what like side we're on, um, I just think it's not right. I feel like we're supposed to see the other side as human beings. And I think I've just seen a lot of like people just whenever they see stuff like this happen, it's like, okay, let's just 
label it what it is and uh, block out the other side. And I just don't really think that's what we need to do. I've shared with part, friends. Part of my uh, morning routine or my, my morning prayer is to like uh, just give thanks to the Lord for who he is and his abundance in our lives. And one of the things that I like just thank him for is that he is ju just. And that is, I think, a really hard thing for us to understand when you don't directly um, um, experience injustice. And so something that I think I took from like seeing, seeing God's hand in this is that I'm like for many of the people that I talked to about um, what happened this week afterwards, they were like shocked uh, that this would happen because the Capitol is a symbol of our like law and our freedom and it's where laws are made. And um, it is the representation of our like uh, government in our country. And so they were shocked that this was happening because they haven't been experiencing injustice in their life. And they felt like this was an injustice on their freedoms um, and, and that it was being brought down. But this is something that people of color and other oppressed groups in our country have been trying to say and like shout from the top, like from the rooftops, like there is injustice happening in this country. And for the first time, people who it wasn't affecting felt that injustice. And so it was just a call for me to like, just go back to the Lord and thank, th thank him that he is just, and he will bring an end to injustice one day. Um, and that seems, that sounds weird. Like, I'm not thankful that this happened, but I do think that a lot of people um, for the first time understood a lot of what people of color and other oppressed groups have been saying for ever. Um, and, and so I, that's what I see from this is that the Lord is just and he will bring an end to this ugliness that we are experiencing right now. But that means we have to go through this ugliness. Like we can't escape it. We can't just like pray this away because that's not how it's going to work. Like we're going to experience this just like there are other um, people, like peoples of the Lord in the past have experienced injustice and he's the only one that can sustain us through this. Yeah, I actually was going to say um, something similar in the opposite that for me, it's been, I've struggled with being angry. Like this is what my whole life has been like and the other people's lives has been like and people are just now realizing it or just saying things like, this isn't who we are and this isn't our country and kind of really struggling with like, uh, yes, this is who we are and this is who our country is. And it's been really hard to not be continuously angry. And so like the opposite of being thankful, I don't think I'm there yet. Thanks for sharing that, Rita. I think there is an absolute um, aspect of righteous anger that, you know, like the scripture talks about, it's very hard for humans to, to grasp righteous anger um, and practice it. But I do believe that in this time, a part of um, responding and, and really trusting God is doing our best to fight uh, unjust and misplaced anger with righteous anger. And, um, and that is just incredibly hard. Uh, but I think it's something that when you look at God, he's not Santa Claus God that sits back and lets people run over people or is passive about the things uh, that go on um, in terms of injustice. He is a God that is firm and um, ultimately punishes those things in a variety of very, very scary ways. 
And I'm terrified at the thought of being on the receiving end of God's justice for people who um, are living in, uh, you know, kind of willful or even unwillful oppression of others. I can only pray for mercy uh, when, you know, I am uh, doing those things and not saying them. But I just think that's an important point of understanding God's anger and being able to compare his anger to ours and, and making sure that, uh, um, that it is righteous and it is the kind of anger that we see Jesus having. Kind of brings us to our next one, although I'm fine you know, kind of going back and forth between these. Uh, that's fine if we need to. But as a result of seeing who God is, um, we see ourselves and despair at just our motivations, our privileges, our lack of understanding, our lack of compassion, our outright sin, whatever it is, I think this is an important part of the lament piece that if you can't understand um, yourself compared to who God is, uh, then you'll never really understand uh, how to act in accordance with what he wants. You'll simply um, place a fake God on the throne and live in accordance with how your fake God uh, has expressed his own character. And so, yeah, so this is a little bit harder and I'm not so much asking or expecting or confessing um, very specific and concrete sins, although if they apply to what you're talking about, that's certainly fine. Um, but yeah, this next section is seeing ourselves as you know, compared to God and then just uh, despair. No better way of putting it. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, I when I think about that first part of this, like we see God in Jesus and Jesus humbled himself. He sought out the marginalized. He rebuked the, the powerful religious people, the people that were, you know, seems to be the most righteous. He rebuked them the harshest. And I think, you know, I look at like our, the, the church, like the capital C church as a whole, and we've fallen so short of this. Like I've been, I have been furiously writing my thoughts down. So I have to like, look at my paper, but like we've clung to power and the political sphere. We've allowed white supremacy to dwell in our hearts and churches. We refuse to condemn people like Trump or lies about rigged elections or white supremacy or Christian nationalism, but we very comfortably condemn liberalism or Black Lives Matter or feminism. And um, we don't ever look to ourselves to see where is our sin? Where is our sin, right? I think about that part in Psalm 90, that's like he's laid out our iniquities before us and we are ignoring it all in the name of unity, right? Don't be divisive, but the division the is there and we're not doing anything to heal it. And I very easy, it's very easy for me to think like, well, I'm different from this, right? I'm woke. I, I've studied all the right things. I listen to the right people and I'm not part of this problem. But in what universe could I not be? I was raised in this, right? A lot of us were raised in this. We are white. We were raised in white churches. We were raised in churches that elevated conservatism to be the closest thing to godliness. And how could I not have internalized some of this? And am I even willing to see that? Am I willing to see like, oh man, I am part of that problem? Or I think deep down, I believe that too. I just know not to say it. Um, 
and to be open about that and willing to like let God show me that um, is really scary. But I think it's, I have to let it be obvious. Like I have to see it. We have to be willing to look at it as a collective, as a larger church and as individuals to see like, man, that sin that I'm so disgusted by, that's my sin too. That's in my heart too. That was a really good way of putting that, Chelsea. I think I felt very similar this week as I've been reading all the different social media responses to it, all the different ways that we were critiquing the horrible things that they were doing, and especially like the comparisons between um, how police responded from the protests in the summer to the the invasion just then. And like, I think I've just been pretty frustrated with a demographic of people that I don't align myself with. But then I'm thinking about it, it's like, I know this, I know plenty of people that are part of that demographic that I don't challenge, that I don't have these conversations with because I, it's uncomfortable or it's strange because they're, what you're talking about, Chelsea, like raised in it and flocked to it in the same way that anyone can be a sheep to a bad lesson. Like, I think I have felt uncomfortable to like talk to people about those things. And I was just thinking, like, man, like, it, even if, like, they're doing it, what am I doing to stop this from happening? What am I actively doing in my day-to-day that, like, ends this kind of, these kinds of actions from happening? And, yeah, I think I found myself getting pretty frustrated by that. Yeah, as I was reflecting on this, I was just really thinking about, like, how I do have the privilege to not if I want to, to not think about these things or not see it fully affect me um, because I am white and because I do, I haven't had that kind of aversion or, you know, um, depression and stuff. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's just really challenging. And I, I was reflecting on this and just hearing God say like, yeah, it's, it's okay to step into this discomfort and, be uncomfortable for the Lord because he wants us to, you know, even if that means talking to people and hearing ideas we don't fully understand or whatever it might look like, whatever it takes to um, love people and see them as God does. Cause I think it's easy to avoid conflict. It's easy to avoid hard conversations, but that's not the life God wants us to lead. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking about that. Something that I despair about with all this stuff is that our ability to agree on basic facts of what world we're in seems to be getting worse and worse. And empathy for people who are different from you or think differently from you seems to be going down and down. Um, And you just can't have a coherent society where people just don't even agree on what the state is, even a little bit. (laughs) And I, I can't see what's going to stop those things from getting worse and what's going to stop a society like, like ours from kind of flying apart in the next 1500 years. That sounds really apocalyptic, but that's how I feel about it. And what I, what I think. Um, and that does, I think despair is the best word for that. Cause it's like, man, how does this not get really bad? Um, so yeah, that's one thing I see in ourselves that I despair. I've been thinking about that a lot too, Grant. I think, like as a scientist and a Christian, both of those identities that I have are about seeking truth and about really pursuing what is true and like what is the best 
what is the best conclusion we can come to with the evidence we have right now? That's what we do with scripture and that's what we do with science. And it feels like both of those things are just kind of under attack. And so both of like those truth seeking identities I have are like lost. How do we seek truth in a society where truth is completely undermined, you know? And that has been really hard. Um, to reconcile. And I feel similarly as you do. It's like, if we can't figure out what's true and learn how to pursue that as a society, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and it's really hard. It's, that's been something that I've thought about a lot lately. I suppose one uh, response I've had to this uh, has been, uh, how can I protect my family or like my community? And the fear um, that this, just watching the videos and seeing these people um, realizing where we live um, has, has brought that fear response out in me rather than a trust response um, and seeing what, what, the God, uh, what God has uh, and like the just like, uh, nature of God. So it, it's, it's difficult for me not to... Um, want to take action uh, in some way to protect myself rather than to lean in and to really trust God more uh, based on these, uh, you know, terrible acts. And what I think is just probably the beginning of, you know, more terrorism that will happen in this country. So again, if we want to circle back to this part, we can just to keep us on track. Um, the next part is in despair, we ask God for help. So again, this can be in the form of um, prayer or um, just wanting God to act and ex you know, explicitly asking for him to do things. I think this is where the limit gets pretty specific because there's some event, some situation, something that's going on. And we're begging God, knowing that in our despair compared to him, we have no control, no ability nothing of lasting value um, to contribute apart from him. And so that initiates this strong call uh, for God to help to do something. And so, yeah, in despair, we ask God for help. I think in despair, my first thought is, uh, and probably many of us, I try to think of a lot of human solutions to the situation we're in. And in my arrogance, I think I have some pretty good ideas about that. Um, or ideas I've stolen from other people or have seen other people talk about and post about. And I think one thing that becomes clear pretty quickly the more I think about that is that, one, we have plenty of examples of human solutions not working in our own uh, timeline, on time span, but also in the Bible, we see Israel try to do that over and over and over. Like, let's have a king. Okay, maybe we should have a different king. And just um, seeing how when we turn to human solutions out of our despair instead of to God, we just keep perpetuating our despair or just exchange it for a different one. <laughs> and so God, I just ask that you would be who we turn to. And I do believe that human solutions can make a difference. Um, but I also believe that if we don't turn to you with our despair and ask for you to really come change our hearts, change the hearts of people that are really different from us, that it's it's all going to be these temporary changes or we'll be exchanging our despair for a different kind 
and um, trying to build our own utopia name for ourselves here on earth, which does not work. And so God, I just ask that you would really uh, just convict each of us in our own ways and help us just to turn toward you with our despair and just ask for your help. We are desperate for your help um, as individuals and as a country and as a church. We um, don't know what to do. We couldn't do um, the work of ruling a place or a world. Um, no one can better than you. And so God, we just ask that you would align our hopes and our ideas and our thoughts and our emotions with you. And um, we just, gosh, we need that so badly. We get ourselves into trouble so fast without you. Um, God, we're desperate. Yeah, I would, I would uh, ask God that um, one thing I'm kind of despairing over is just, I think some people mentioned it earlier, but just how it seems like whether people realize it or not, truth is becoming less and less relevant. Just like, like literal, just rational facts in the ways of proving things. Like I talked to my mom about uh, the whole thing and it was like, yeah, it's crazy. And she, and she was like, yeah, it was probably, I've heard it was like Antifa and all this stuff. And it's like, based on like what, <laughs> It's like the facts are like right before you and it's like so obvious, but people are so many people are choosing to believe in conspiracy theories based on their own opinions and based off of what social media is telling them and what the algorithm of Facebook and Instagram is wanting them to see. And it's just really heartbreaking rather than people believing what's so true. And it seems like people are, thinking there's like this underlying meaning to things and um, this, this kind of like conspiracy theory to everything we do. And it's not what seems to be true is actually just, just false because uh, they want to support a man or a political party. And so my despair to God would be, uh, I just pray that truth would prevail because it seems like more and more, we're just choosing to believe the first thing that we see or that we think or that our opinions and yearnings want us to believe. And so I, I'm really despairing because people seem to be getting a lot more logical with social media. So my, my prayer is just that we, God, as a people would learn to follow what's true and not undermine the basic rationale of of not even capital t truth but just what is so obviously before our eyes and we wouldn't follow our own opinions but we would be more rationalist people and so it's just it's really heartbreaking because people's opinions are causing them to have division and that's it's really sad yeah. god sad so I, I hate that um so I think what I really am asking God for, and it's, I feel like this has really been like in, in on my spirit, on my heart, whatever, for like close to a year now, it's just this really asking God to bring us low, bring the church low to show the, our culture, the truth about who he is. I think um, asking God to help us stop 
putting our faith in laws and politicians to protect us and to protect our standing and culture, to protect us from being persecuted. Because um, as long as we're doing that, we're not telling the truth about who God is. That's not true to his character, that we need other people or laws or some system of government to protect us. Like that God is our protector. And in where in scripture are we told that we're not to be persecuted? If anything, we're, we're blessed when we're persecuted. So why are we not open to that and seeking that and asking God to humble us, open our hearts to that, give us strength for that, give us the words to, to respond to um, that persecution that's going to come from our culture. I think we're seeing it more and more that our culture is is calling out the church for like being hypocritical. And we're so afraid of that persecution coming from our, us losing our religious freedom. But the persecution that we deserve is going to come from people calling Christians out for doing things like they did on Wednesday in the name of God. Like that's the bringing low that's going to happen if we don't stop doing those things, I guess. And I don't know if that makes very much sense, but just this asking God, like, prepare me for that, prepare us for that and do that. Like, if this is what is needed for the, our culture to see the truth about who you are, you, you do not exert power over people that's not in his nature, then do that through us. Um, bring us low to tell the truth about who you are to our culture. Um, you know, I think really for me, my big wish this next couple of years, it seems kind of like a, a real big one, but is that God would just wipe away the chaff from some of these organizations that have long been defined by some of their um, minority positions just because those people are most vocal. I really would love to see the Republican Party um, be much stronger through this next two or three years as they separate and distance themselves from the extremists. Uh, and, you know, the same thing for Christians and the same thing for, um, you know, Democrats that, that somehow um, in this next term, uh, people will be brought more together. And those people who are on the fringes uh, will be more um, marginalized. Uh, which I think is scary because sometimes that means violence. Um, but I hope that um, it's just more clear. It doesn't become less clear who those people are, but more clear. Um, and then I think the other thing is just that we'll be willing to have conversations with people who are influenced by those fringe groups and not outright um, turn them down or laugh at them or basically treat them as it is easy to treat um, differing opinions in a, on a social media context. Uh, I have had a lot of conversations these last few weeks with um, conservatives who believe that the uh, election was fraudulent. And rather than starting off from a point of, here are all the things that people are saying, my first statement is, I have not researched this maybe to the degree I could, so let's talk about why you think this. Uh, and rather than just outset, you know, um, just trying to find something again that, you know, conflict is okay. Divisiveness, um, you know, is not. And so, um, yeah, just that we would be able to have conversations that seem below us or, um, and then know in having wisdom in the time to really stand firm and say what needs to be said versus really listen. I, uh, my, my thoughts. Um, I'm just going to read them. 
Lord, I am angry. I have no love in my heart for these people. I am at my wit's end. Rage rises and my breath gives way to screams of pain I didn't know I had. Lord, why do you let your children live in this pain? My pain, only a fraction of those around me. I crumble under the weight of the collective screams of suffering. Lord, can you hear us? Please help. Push me to do the work that you have for me. Help me to love the people who persecute those around me. Humble me and show me how to be, sorry, how to be your voice and remind me of your love, that you love even these people's eyes. Lord, help our nation, help our country, and um, bring justice. We're going to end here in about 10 minutes, but this last part can, you know, kind of pair as well with the, you know, uh, asking God to help. But it's in all of this understanding uh, who God is, who we are in despair, and then asking out of our despair for God to work. Um, we then kind of end with, and this is, again, I think what makes biblical laments so different and so interesting uh, is that they end with a, a sense of hopefulness uh, based either on what God has done um, or what we expect him to do. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's just important. It's bringing kind of peace and meaning, uh, out of the chaos rather than just as the Psalm 90 talks about living from one chaotic moment to the next meaningless, meaninglessly exhausting ourselves. Um, because a lament can be an exhausting meaningless experience if all we've done is aired our grievances or cried about things that we feel uh, are hurtful or harmful and don't have a sense of God working and caring about that far more than we ever would. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's what we want to kind of end off here is just you know, ending with a sense of what God has done or what he will do, a hopefulness that he will answer that call um and uh yeah and allow us to join in with them uh something that i see is what god has done um i i think a lot of the um civil rights movement and how god i, I believe god was involved in that and bringing a lot of justice to oppressed people and i think that we're again going through a time in which just the most ugly of our world is being confronted. And I like, I'm afraid of how that will, it's is like in order to take out the, like the, the grossness, like it's gonna hurt. And I'm afraid of that pain. And I pray that God would help me to endure that pain and help me to be part of that healing. And that's a lot, but at the same time, I'm excited for a world where things like white supremacy don't exist. I'm, and I look forward to um, when God says in Revelation, just the like beauty of the new heaven and of the like multitude of people from every race and nation just together singing glories to God. 
and God's promise that he's here helping us bring that kingdom now. And that's what gives, like, I've seen God, like, throughout the past, like, bring justice to his people. I think he's doing that now. And he's told us that he will. And so that's where I'm trying to put my hope in amidst a lot of my fear of what that would look like. Um, because like you said, Brad, I don't want to be on the receiving end of God's justice, like, cause it's not going to be pretty, um, for so many. And I just pray that God helps me to endure that and that he would reveal that we can confront them there. So, um, Something that I, some, <laughs> some good, I think that, and that I've like had the opportunity to notice that God's been working in, and I think is really cool uh, to see in my circle of friends in my family and even in our community is the stirring up of like self-reflection that God has, has started uh, that process, that really like ugly painstaking process of like examining your actions and your thoughts and I, I've seen him begin and continue that work in in so many people including myself and it's really like um it's like it feels like kind of tug of war um between self-protection and then submission to the spirit but I think I just think that's really cool that um I've been able to witness and people and we've been able to encourage each other through that um process because it can feel really lonely and uh, uh, really like world shaking if you know if some of your beliefs have been changed um, so I think that like it's, it's been cool to observe that good work that God's started and I'm I think yeah con continuing to bring about and so I just pray that 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 we continue to submit to God changing our hearts even though it's painful and uh, hard work, but so necessary. Cause I think, yeah, what Chelsea was talking about, like we are, we, yeah, we've internalized so much and we've, how could we not be contributing to the culture that we've like been steeped in? And so, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty neat to have seen, excited to see it continue. Good. I was just going to say, I think that, um, God's been laying this song on my heart pretty much the whole time we've been talking. So I'm just going to read it. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will, his praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. Those who took, those who looked at him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who look to him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. Come, children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving long life, to enjoy with his good? What is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. 
to face the Lord to set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken, to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are Christian spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all those who take refuge in him will not be punished. So God, we just ask that um, you just give us hope in this time that we will continue to bless you at all times, no matter what it looks like and how crazy it is. I just pray that you be Jesus in us and that we can be close to the brokenhearted along with those who are suffering and we just thank you that you're good and we know that we can trust you and and that um yeah you're you are with the righteous and you'll your your ending will prevail yeah i think uh something that i really am thankful for god doing is i mean i i think that there are conversations being had like on a cultural level that weren't being had like 10 or 15 years ago. Like I think particularly about like Black Lives Matter and all of the just confrontation we've had as white people to our own privileges. Either I was just stupid when I was 15 or, which is probably true, or more conversations are actually happening than they were before. And I think that's really good. And I think also about um, even just since Wednesday, I've read and seen so many like articles and just think pieces condemning the church for its role and some of what's been going on politically. And I think that that's really good too. I, I feel like I, I remind, it reminds me of like, even the rocks will cry out to worship God. Like God is kind of saying, if you're not going to tell the truth, then I'll use other people to do it. And, um, just kind of humbling us, like I said, as a, as a larger entity. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And I think that that's good. I just, like I was saying earlier, just pray that we will not shy away from that and we won't be afraid of it because it's painful, but we would, we would be open to that, to that reckoning. And I just think conversations like this are, are new, maybe weren't happening or weren't happening in churches. And, um, I just believe that there's more openness than there ever has been. And I hope that that continues. Um, I'm going to end us with the prayer. And then certainly if you guys want to hang out or talk or whatever you can. Lord God, you are an awesome, righteous, and just God. I feel so bad for the people who um, don't know what's coming their way. They don't know about your wrath and indignation and your desire to do away with oppressors and please change their hearts. Let the words that they speak about you be true. Help them to remove the false prophets from their circles and hear a word from you for once. God, we are all that way at the core, liars, believers of Satan's schemes and, and just our own selfishness. We aren't good. 
not fully, the goodness that we have is, is the image that you've put in us. Please help us to speak truth individually as communities of faith um, to our nation right now. Um, but to never hold out hope that our country is our salvation. Knowing that you, God, are our home, our dwelling place, have been from generation to generation for all humans who responded to your call. Lord, we know you'll work, whether in suffering and pain or persecution or in the joy of watching things change. Whatever it is that you do will last, and we want to be a part of that. Come pain or promise, prosperity, whatever it is, Lord, we know that only you will accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And we love you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.